When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, put me in a wheelchair and get me to the show. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Joe McCormick. And uh, and Lauren, we've given the day off. Um, Lauren was feeling a bit under the weather. Perhaps uh, perhaps bacteria had something to do with it. Mm. Or maybe she just felt like it was too soon. But today we wanted to talk <laughs> about uh, bacteria, microbes, and uh, and ways that we have found to to get these these tiny these microscopic organisms to do stuff that either they wouldn't normally do or they would do it but they would do it at a very slow rate and to ramp it up so that we can actually make use out of the microscopic world yeah it's interesting the idea of uh trying to get microbes working for us instead of against us since you know we've all experienced plenty of setbacks in our lives due to what bacteria have to offer in yeah, their little, arsenal but some some food poisoning in there or something but yeah you, in fact one of the major culprits of food poisoning e coli is going to pop up a lot in this podcast yeah nope. hard to stop e coli from popping up mm, as it turns mm, out that room temperature hot dog is 
Yeah. It's just, uh, boy, that, that, that potato salad that's been left out for a while, that's, yeah. that's still good, it's right? It's the future of engineering is yeah. what it is. In fact, there's some applications we'll be talking about where the reason why we're looking to bacteria in the first place is because we don't know of any way to synthesize the materials that the bacteria produce naturally. Or and if we do, it's like really inefficient. Really inefficient, really expensive, very you know, time and energy uh, consuming. So it just makes way more sense to go with the bacteria. But there was at least one of the the um, articles that we read where specifically they said we cannot synthesize this in the lab. And I think, mm-hmm. well, well, we probably should say we can't synthesize it today. Right. Maybe sometime down the road we can, but it makes way more sense to pour the money into uh, research and development with bacterial organisms that do produce this stuff and find ways of making them do that at a, a much larger scale than what they currently do. And then we just – we reap the benefit that way. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, that's one of the biggest challenges really is figuring out how to – uh, how to optimize these processes so that you get a, a usable amount of stuff, something that you can use in manufacturing, for instance, or mm-hmm. uh, producing drugs. When we've been doing that. I mean, we, we use bacteria to, to uh, produce insulin. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, insulin for people who, who have to do insulin injections, a lot of mm-hmm. insulin is generated through bacteria. So Through bacteria uh, that's been uh, genetically tampered with right yeah, like yeah. We, we reach in there and we we lift out part of a plasmid and replace it with a piece of human dna that creates insulin exactly yeah essentially you got to remember dna that's that those that's like instructions it's almost like a program mm-hmm. you can think of it if you're thinking in terms of computers you can think of it as an algorithm or set of instructions that tell uh a a in this case a a a, a cellular a, you know a, a, a Bacterium, a cell, a cell. Yeah, there are okay. words that are coming from me. <laughs> uh, a cell. So this is where Lauren would jump in if she yeah. were here, but you know she's d- battling her own bacteria. Uh, this is where a cell would end up following these directions to you know saying when this happens, do this. That's essentially you know like an if then kind of function. And uh, if we switch those instructions out, then that's what the cell will do. That's drastically oversimplifying what's going on, but. If you if you take a really high view of what we are trying to do, that's essentially the step. You you try and find the little segments of DNA that you can use to swap in and out for these various uh, uh, kinds of bacteria and get the results you need. And E. coli turns out to be one of the ones we use the most frequently. And you might wonder, you know, well, you know, I've heard about E. coli. Every time, everything I've heard about it is essentially. That it's bad, you don't want it. It's in your uncooked hamburger. It's why you need to ruin your hamburger before you eat it. Right, um, yeah, because you don't yeah. want to, you know, by ruin it, I think Joe means that yeah, cooking it till it's well done. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to, to medium rare. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There are there are restaurants in, in Atlanta now where they won't do it medium rare, at least they won't. They say on the menu they won't do it oh, medium yeah. rare. Well, a, um, a lot do, and they just have the little disclaimer there. It's like, you know, but you might die, but right, yeah. it'll taste good and... You'll be happy when you die. So we're going to talk a lot about E. coli. Uh, that means that we – I thought a, a quick history lesson on E. coli was in order. And uh, so in the late 19th century, there was a German pediatrician uh, who was looking into why babies were dying. Uh, they were – they were ha- they had a symptom of diarrhea and they were just – they were dying and he wanted to find out what it was that was causing the diarrhea. Are you talking about Ignace? No. Oh, OK. <laughs> I'm talking about Theodore Eskerich. 
Oh, I sorry. I thought we were going down the Ignace Simmelweiss. I no, no, totally distracted. Theodore Eskerich. And okay. if you wonder why it's called E. coli, Eskerich. That's his last name. Oh, it's it's wow. actually uh, Escherichia coli is the the full name of E. coli, and so it comes from this guy Thomas Escherich. What an honor! Yeah, yeah. He well, he was he was trying to figure out how you know what what was the mechanism that was causing these babies to become sick, and how could he uh, fight that? Okay. And so he was looking into it, and he found what he thought was uh, the causative agent. And it, he, he thought it was an organism that was causing this because he was he was following the germ theory of illness. Pretty good so, theory. Yeah, it was a good theory. Not, not everyone <laughs> at that time subscribed to it. Oh, so, certainly not the people who jailed Ignace Simmelweis, right? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, there were there were there were those who were pursuing this line of thought and there were those who were denying it. He was pursuing it. And uh, he ended up discovering what he called Bacillus communis coli, uh, which now we all call E. coli. And uh, it was actually named that after his death. And we call it a model organism. And the reason we call it that is because there's been so much study of E. coli that we know everything about it. Mm-hmm. We know the full genome of E. coli. And also, uh, it, it's a great example of something that you can work with in a laboratory because laboratory conditions it, it you know it can grow in a very wide range of conditions but it does really really well in um in just room temperature mm-hmm. so uh you can grow it very quickly uh it has a very rapid growth rate so uh, it has very simple nutritional requirements uh we know all the genetics about it so and you, you mean literally all the genetics all of it. about it? We, it's, we've it's completely, completely mapped, mapped out. Okay, completely so it's mapped so out. it's kind of at this point like open source bioware, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you can look at this as saying this is this is the slate we can build on. It's not quite a blank slate because we actually do have to remove stuff and then replace it with other stuff in order to make the mm-hmm. E. coli do what we want it to do. But it means that because we have such a deep understanding of this particular organism, it's perfect for uh, some genetic modification so that we can make it do other things. It's the, the Linux of germs. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. Uh, it's a little penguin-shaped bacteria. It's not quite penguin-shaped. It's no, actually, it's, it's shaped like, like a hot dog, it's actually. It's exactly shaped like, like a, a rod. Like a yes. room-temperature hot dog. Yep. Oh, good times. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, they're using... E. coli for lots of different things, including producing various kinds of uh, of chemicals for both drugs and for manufacturing processes. Yeah, yeah. So we mentioned uh, that it may it can make ethanol, which is the alcohol that makes your wine awesome or your beer awesome, or it can make uh, it can help make uh, sorry but insulin, right? Yeah. Uh, for drugs, what what else can it do? What else can it make? Uh, well, let's see. It can make uh, well, it can make. Isoprene? Isoprene, yeah. That's uh that's like jet airliner fuel, isn't it? Uh it's also like the stuff that can go into rubber. Yeah. So like in your tires. In your tires, yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean you can get isoprene in different ways, right? You can you can do it essentially the way we get isoprene get lots of stuff. You can get it from uh fossil fuels oil. essentially. Yeah. You go to oil, you you sit there and say, Well, this is yet another byproduct we can get out of oil, petroleum based stuff. Uh, but, you know, that's not necessarily environmentally friendly. And it's true that you can also uh, genetically engineer uh, E. coli to produce this stuff. In fact, it produces a little bit on its own. So really mm-hmm. what we're genetically engineering it to do is produce it. beef it up. Yeah, exactly. Much yeah. larger amounts for it to be efficient because, uh, you know, it, you could 
start to harvest it from E. coli, but if it's just tiny little amounts, it would take forever for you to have enough for it to be useful. It wouldn't be a good use of your time and resources. Mm -hmm. But by genetically modifying the E. coli, you can dramatically increase the output and thus make it something that's a viable option. So it's making this carbon compound, isoprene. What it is a carbon compound, right? I'm assuming hydrocarbon. Yeah, yeah, hydrocarbon. Uh, all those uh, like the plastics and all the things we make from oil. Mm-hmm. Tend to be that, right? Right. So what's the investment in this? Do you, do you just need to feed the bacteria basically? You just give them some sugar based on corn or, or sugar cane or something it, like that? It essentially is that you, you feed them certain chemicals mm-hmm. and then they will produce the isoprene and, uh, just in their regular process of, of, of life. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. a, it's a life process for them. So it does mean altering the, the cells a little bit so that they will do this on a scale that makes it useful. But yeah, they're essentially eating and pooping is what they're doing. All except right. on a But they a poop micro- something really awesome. Right. And it's microorganism level. So it's not really eating and pooping. That's again, kind of just putting it analogous to a macro organism. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but for the purposes of this conversation, sure. They, they, they eat uh, stuff that is not as useful to us and crap out stuff that's really useful to us. So that could give us a very environmentally friendly way of producing uh, isoprene on a, on a level that's important enough for the manufacturing processes. Uh, right now, you know, they're, they're mostly in the research and development phase of that kind of work. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen bacteria producing other stuff. You, you pointed me to a great, uh, study about bacteria that produces gold. Yeah, gold. I saw this and I was like, oh, you know, finally the, the medieval alchemist's dream is realized. Yeah, from they're a microorganism level. From beyond the grave, they're groaning with envy, like, oh. Shucks, you know. if only we had found that. Right. Well, apparently what they found is that there um, is a, a bacteria that can turn something called gold chloride, which is this... Uh, Toxic chemical. Yeah, anything that into, has the word chloride in it yeah. tends to be pretty nasty for people. Well, hey, what about sodium chloride? It tends to be. If you break that, if you break that molecular bond, and you now have pure sodium and pure chloride, that's two okay, things that okay. are really bad for people. But I mean, you you put some sodium chloride on your lunch, didn't you? No, someone else did. Well, I didn't add any. <laughs> I get enough sodium in my diet. Right, right. Okay, well, but <laughs> don't, so it don't it, judge me, it, take, it takes old gold chloride, which is this, this some kind of nasty chemical. I mean, I've never handled it, but it's a toxic chemical. I, yeah, liquid. I read that it's 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 something you don't want to mess with. No, um, turns it into twenty four karat gold. Yep, just pure gold. Yep. Well, ninety nine point nine percent pure. Oh, okay. There's a point one percent impurity. Yeah. So it's kind of like a that old soap commercial ninety nine point nine. But uh yeah it's uh it's uh it's interesting cuz you'd think oh well does this mean you could produce lots and lots of gold Yeah no. is this going to upset the whole gold market Well, well first, no n- no it's not be- even though this is pretty amazing that they can do this the reason it's not going to devalue gold and and turn the world economy on its head though I mean that wouldn't have the effect it once had now I guess yeah. um but uh the reason that's not going to happen is the same problem we discussed with isoprene and, and other stuff, right? It just it it can't make enough fast enough yet well, that it really matters. That that and 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 uh, gold chloride's not exactly you know oh, falling yeah. out of the sky. If it were, we'd all be dead. But it's uh <laughs> it's it's not it's not plentiful, and it does like like in the 
article you linked me to, they actually talk about how while while one scientist say it takes it takes something that's useless and or or, or worthless and then turns it into gold. The article, the guy who wrote it pointed out that, in fact, uh, gold chloride costs quite a bit of money to purchase because it's not – Is it e- even more than gold? Is not that, more than no, gold. Okay. It's it's still – you would still be, have a winning proposition by the end of it, but it's uh, it's not like it's cheap. It's not like it's this weird – you know, we're, we don't have these gigantic pools of gold chloride sitting just under the surface of the, the – the it's like ground. It, somebody was like, hey, I found a way to turn Action Comics number one into solid gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, uh, hey, I found a way of turning kryptonite, like this fictional <laughs> yeah. element, into gold. Oh, all right. Well, excellent. Um, so, any, But it's still, you know, it's kind of a neat thing in that it's another one of those processes that could one day become useful should we have an easier way of getting gold chloride? Well, I think it just illustrates that that it's not just this chemical. Like gold, or, or, sorry, bacteria can create all kinds of chemicals. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, we've talked about um, you know different kinds of medications. There are a lot of other drugs that are uh, possibilities that that uh, that bacteria could create. So it's it's one of those things where where we could create these little micro factories, mm-hmm. and in fact. We could even create micro factories that could work uh, uh, in vitro. Like we could have mm-hmm. microorganisms that you would uh, inject into a person to treat diseases like cancer. Oh yeah, yeah. What were we reading about the these like these drug delivery bacteria, right? Right. So again, the bacteria would have their normal natural processes altered by switching out some strands of DNA mm-hmm. and what they would end up doing is they would uh, consume regular stuff, but they would end up producing uh, cancer killing chemicals and you would coat the the bacteria with a protein that would essentially turn it into a cancer seeking bomb. So it would seek out cancer cells by uh, the, the proteins would essentially lock the proteins that are on the surface of the bacteria and the proteins that are a part of the cancer cell would lock together so it would attach itself to a cancer cell, produce the cancer-killing chemical, and deliver essentially chemotherapy to the cancer cell directly. And yeah, the reason Without would, damaging all the surrounding tissue. Right, because that's the big problem with chemotherapy, right, is that chemotherapy, when you introduce chemotherapy to a, a cancer patient... It's not smart. Yeah, it's not smart. It, it attacks everything, right? It's not just attacking cancer cells. It's attacking healthy cells as well, which is one of the reasons why chemotherapy has so many nasty side effects, why people have to deal with uh, uh, feeling nauseated and and having other other really really terrible symptoms uh, while they're trying to fight cancer. Well, if you were able to create a delivery system that would deliver the chemicals only to the cancer cells, mm-hmm. you would drastically reduce those side effects. You wouldn't necessarily eliminate all of them, but you you could reduce them so that life, the quality of life increases dramatically for the person who's undergoing that treatment. Of course, from what I read, this uh, this research is really promising, but it's also not without danger, right? Because it, these these little mini attackers, you know, the, the tiny gunships, mm-hmm. if, if they get loose, they do actually possibly represent a threat to people. 
anytime we're talking about introducing something that's going to have an ongoing active role within a person's uh, a body, mm-hmm. then clearly you, you have to be really careful about how it's going to interact. Whether that means it would produce toxins that would hurt the person directly, or maybe it would have an unintended consequence. For instance, it might uh, kill off a cancer cell, but perhaps something else it gives off ends up causing other problems. Like it could even perhaps cause cancer. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there are all these things that have to be taken into consideration. You have to do lots and lots and lots of testing before you can ever get to a point where you even have a, a, you know, a, a patient try this out. Um, same thing is true. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll tackle this issue in a, a future episode of forward thinking, but there are viral therapies out there too that use. Oh, they, they do pretty much the same thing, right? With the, with tumors, like they can be targeted to attack. Yeah. You can, you can get a, what you essentially do is you take a virus, you crack it open, you remove the virus from its shell, you put into the shell some, uh, chemotherapy drug. And, and a virus, just to be clear, like, it's not as complex as something like bacteria. It's basically like a shell with some DNA in it. Right, yeah. In fact, virus is so, is so not complex that we don't really have a classification for it. Like, it's not easy for us to classify it as life. It's debatable whether yeah. it's life. I mean, it's it debatable reproduces, about, but it, not on its own. Exactly. It's kind of, it's kind of in this, interesting category all on its own. But you could do the same similar thing where, or same similar thing. You could do the same thing mm-hmm. where you coat the virus with the protein so it seeks out the cancer cell and mm-hmm. then injects the chemotherapy drug directly into the cell. Now, in this case, the virus is not producing the chemotherapy drug. It's just a delivery system. So it's like um, it's like a very smart injection. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one we're talking about would actually be producing the drug inside of you as part of its natural process. Though we were careful to make a distinction between bacteria and viruses, so maybe we should save viruses for Right, exactly. For like day. I said, maybe we'll tackle that's that. That's a whole a, other topic. Yeah, we, we may tackle that in a future episode. Just saying that the the approach for uh, cancer treatment is similar but not identical. Right. Uh, so so we've talked about um, how bacteria can be used to manufacture materials and and can be used in medicine, but a little bit of what I've read has something even more interesting that it can be used for for efficient purposes in electronics. Yeah, I was reading some of the articles you you sent to me, and they are very interesting. I'm a little curious about a couple of them. One of them was about how bacterial nanowires could end up being a revolutionary uh, electronic development. Mm-hmm. And and that got me a little curious because as soon as I heard nanowires, I thought, wait a minute, now bacteria – you know, you're talking about a single-celled organism. Mm-hmm. That's not the nanoscale. That's huge compared to the nanoscale. But they were speci- specifically referring to um, proteins. These little fibers yeah. that grow off of the bacteria. Yeah, right? protein yeah. filaments, which are much smaller than the bacteria. So once I mm-hmm. got into that and I saw that what they were talking about, I thought, oh, I see what they're saying. The filaments themselves are on the nanoscale as opposed to the, the bacteria. Uh, and that the – so – Nanowires, if you're thinking about the actual mechanism where electrons are getting carried across, it would be across these little filaments. That I have no problem with. I'm not sure that the wires themselves would be on the nanoscale because I would imagine the rest of the bacteria would be there too. But um, but it, maybe it's just that I'm having a hard time visualizing exactly what they're talking about. But yeah, you, you could grow nanowires this way. And uh, again, this could make it very useful for all sorts of applications, including things that would need to operate within an organism. 
because mm-hmm. electronics, it's kind of hard to get the traditional electronics to operate inside an environment like that. Same thing with underwater sensors. Anything that would normally cause a problem because of shorting, uh, the way, the way the bacteria, uh, are able to bond together with these, these protein filaments, uh, could get around that. So, that's something that's a promising potential application, keeping in mind that this is in the earliest stages of research and development. Right. We are, we, we can already use bacteria in some types of electronics, right? Like yeah. Like that there are bacteria that can be used to sense the presence of humidity. This is, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. That, so that you're talking about the, there's this bacteria that you coat with nanoparticles of gold. Yeah. Which I, Unfortunately, I guess, this eventually kills the bacteria, but but it doesn't matter. It'll, right, yeah. it'll still work. Yeah. So, who cares? Yeah. Or at least it works. It, it works according to the re, the scientists who researched this. It works up to a month after they have died. They called it zombie bacteria. <laughs> but uh, you use gold Wait, nanoparticles. This is, co- this is zombie cyborg bacteria. Yeah. And if you it, need, I mean, if, if you this want is to, not a sci-fi movie, what is? First, you start with the gold chloride, and you give that to the gold making bacteria okay. take that gold and they make the gold and then what do you do with the gold you, well you actually have to get it into the you know make it nanoparticles you have to get right. to and, and tiny on the, tiny bits yeah on the nano scale elements can have very different properties than they would on the macro scale right so for example silver silver already has some uh, antibacterial properties to it but on the on the nano scale those are very greatly uh, uh, emphasized so you actually can find Bandages that have silver nanoparticles in them because it'll help fight off or keep keep a, a wound infection free. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. But you know, the, the same is true across mo- many elements. That when you get it down to the nano scale, they start to exhibit different features. Well, okay, so we're talking about nanoparticles of gold. Nanoparticles of gold, and uh, they they essentially coat the bacteria so that uh, it creates a a. A way for an electronic charge to move, or electrical charge rather, to move across the bacteria. Mm-hmm. So you, you think of the bacteria as just kind of a little blip in a in a circuit. Yeah. Now, if that bacteria encounters water, it starts to swell. Now, the gold nanoparticles are actually on these little those little filaments on the outside of the bacteria, right? So it's like the bacteria's beard. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a you know think of it like a hedgehog with these little bitty gold nuggets on the end of all the little bristles. Mm-hmm. Well, if that hedgehog starts to expand. The bristles start to move further apart from each other and it creates gaps between those gold nanoparticles. So if it creates enough gaps, then that electric charge can't move across the, the uh, particle the way it did before. And because you're talking about a very, very tiny organism, uh, you can get some pretty incredible sensitivity on here. So you can detect very minute changes in humidity. Wow. Which could be really useful for certain things. Like imagine uh, a library that has rare works in it that need to be protected at a certain level of you know dry air and anything below that level anything where the humidity rises too much mm-hmm. would be a danger then a sensor in that air environment would be very useful also same thing's true for things like clean rooms where you're yeah. putting together uh microprocessors things cigar like that cigar stores mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> obviously cigar stores i mean i don't know how i left those out <laughs> Okay, so uh, so we've got bacteria manufacturing chemicals and yep. materials, manufacturing drugs, and we've got them working in electronics and, mm-hmm. and electric circuits uh, and the, the propagation of electrons. Can they do mechanical work in any way that's useful? Uh, well, I wouldn't bring your beat-up old Chevy 
to any bacteria. You just hand the E. coli a wrench. Yeah, that's you stick that, the wrench in the uncooked hamburger. But like, but oddly enough, <laughs> you have to work. Oddly enough, yes, they can do some mechanical work. Uh, whether or not this will ever reach a point where it's useful. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it will. When you talk about miniaturization, if you get things down small enough, you need to have some way of powering them, right? Oh, yeah. If you if you have a little microfluidic machine, I mean, you're going to have uh, gears that need to operate on the, the micro scale. Yeah, if it's working on a mechanical basis, obviously. If it's working on a chemical or something, then that's different. But if it's a mechanical device, then yes. So, um, yeah, the interesting thing is that uh, the Argonne National Laboratory did an experiment where they made uh, these teeny, <laughs> teeny, teeny, tiny gears. Like, mm-hmm. like I think they're 3.8 microns across. By the way, you should go look this up and watch this because the video is really cool. Yeah, yeah, there is there is a video. It's uh, on YouTube and uh, and also you can find it in lots of different articles. We'll link to some in our our, yeah, yeah. our blog. But uh, yeah, the, the interesting thing here is that they found that by uh, – Putting different levels of oxygen into this mixture, they could uh, induce the bacteria to p- push across the uh, the gears arms and propel them around in a circle. So if yeah, you they could essentially they could create a stream of bacteria teeming in a certain direction. I think yeah, and that yeah. by doing that, if if they oriented gears properly, they could turn the gears. Yeah, essentially the bacteria would hit the end like the point of a gear. And then stick with it and actually start to slide inward toward the center of the gear while still moving forward. So it actually would turn the gear. Mm-hmm. But what I want to emphasize is how crazy the scale difference is here. Yeah. Because we're talking about um, bacteria, which are tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. Um, moving something that is that's tiny to us, but much larger. Millions than of times yeah. the size of the bacteria. It, so it's bacteria which you cannot see without a you know powerful microscope moving something that's uh, bigger than a dust mite. Yeah, which that's which, that's amazing. Yeah, so you'd you'd have to think about you know get all the people you have ever seen in your life together and moving the Empire State Building. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, and even then, you're not talking about millions of times your size, right? So it it is a pretty phenomenal thing. And uh, if we're able to make that useful in some way beyond getting hits on YouTube, that's awesome. No, I think it's awesome either way. <laughs> <laughs> like Joe just even stare, if it's just Joe YouTube. just stares at me like I just stared at him like you? yeah I'm gonna how punch you after you? this. Um, well, no, I, in the next podcast, we're actually going to talk about w- one uh, amazing possible future application. But Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, these are, I mean, if we, we've talked about, or at least we've, we've all heard about things like uh, nano machines, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're nano robots or whatever. We always imagine them as synthetic. They're little things we build, like little robots that. Right, but we could end up using a mixture of synthetic and biological. In fact, it's far more more uh, likely that we will use biological material in those those devices because nature's built some pretty amazing uh, tiny, tiny, tiny things that work really, really well. Well, we have – I mean one thing that I talked about when I was writing this episode uh, of the video series is that it's funny how we have total intuition when it comes to engineering things on, on the proper scale. The macro scale. Yeah, yeah. The things that are about the same size as us. This all makes sense. You know, yeah, this gear turns this thing. It, it all just works. It makes sense. It's yeah, it's natural. intuitive. Yeah. Um, when you get down small enough, 
that all breaks down. You, you just can't do it. We're not good at making things that work on a tiny, tiny, tiny scale. It requires such a level of precision and also the rules. If you get small enough, the rules change. Yeah. So, uh, but if we look to nature, you know, nature's already, there are already examples of stuff in nature that show that this can work. And so either we can take that and manipulate it in some way or we emulate it in some way and therefore can make uh, our own nano machines. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I imagine that a lot of our, uh, at least our early work in nanotechnology will still focus on the biological element and it won't be, you know, because that just makes more sense than to go yeah. completely synthetic. No, I totally agree. All right. Well, I think that that wraps up our discussion about kind of the crazy stuff that we're doing with microbes and bacteria. Uh, if you guys have suggestions for future episodes of Forward Thinking, you know, there's something about the future that you're really interested in. There's an application or a technology or maybe it's just something that you're concerned about uh, and about our future. You want us to, to address it. You should let us know. We have a, an email address. Our email address is fwthinking at discovery.com. Or go to fwthinking.com and just check out. We've got the blogs there. We've got uh, the videos. We've got the, this podcast is there. We also have links to our social media. You can get in touch with us on any of those platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to talking to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done.